Hi, my name's Gary Cole, and you're listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media, the podcast professionals. We're very lucky to, to have the support of Football Coaches Australia and Making Media because it, it, we're talking to Australia's men and women, the coaches who we uh, hand over the responsibility to develop our players and our teams. And in the main, these stories haven't been told. So I'm honoured and uh, very thankful to have as today's guest, the head coach of um, Canberra United in the W League, Vicky Linton. Welcome, Vicky. Thanks, Gary. It's good to be chatting to you today. <laughs> it's incredibly good to have you here because this has been a um, been working on this for a while, and 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 I do appreciate you being here because I know that this is not necessarily your favourite pastime, talk, <laughs> talking about yourself. But at the end of the day, and I, I, hopefully I got this message across, the talking to you of your coaching journey is. I found has been uh, important for other coaches because there's there's so much knowledge and wisdom, and uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity for people to learn. So, um, firstly, congratulations! Uh, came back to Australia. You've, uh, well, actually, I didn't introduce you properly. So, so Vicky had a had a career as a player here, played uh, rep football, and, and I don't know a lot about your playing career, but I do know you played for New South Wales and, and I think uh, Australia at junior level, played uh, college uh, in the USA was encouraged into coaching uh, at a young age uh, and I've had a, a remarkable journey as a coach, uh, head coach at Tasmanian Institute of Sport, assistant with a with the young Australian uh, junior teams, assistant Matilda's coach um, with Alan Stadjic at the World Cup, I think in 2015. Uh, wonderful work as a FIFA um, coach development instructor in Oceania and Asia, which is was fantastic. And you're recently back from three years working with United States Soccer Federation is that how yeah. we pronounce that? Yeah, yeah. U.S. Uh, soccer, <laughs> U.S. soccer, uh, developing and helping um, academy directors grow and mature. So, uh, mm. and and obviously, um, first coach to help Melbourne Victory uh, make the finals in the W League, which he did for a couple of years in a row. So, some wonderful all round experience there. So, so welcome. Can, can, this is nothing to do with your playing career, but but just give us a quick background uh, in, into your playing career and and, and did that. Did your playing career impact your decision into coaching? I'd have to say it, say it did because I wouldn't be here if I, I wasn't playing. Um, so I started at the age of six. Um, you know, uh, it was at a so that was early eighties, nineteen eighty, I suppose. Um, and there wasn't a lot of soccer for girls at that time. Mm. And but my friends in the street were were joining up and playing soccer, and that. They happened to be boys, but I didn't kind of realize that. And I came home and said to my mom, you know, oh, I want to play soccer. And, and she just took me along and, and signed me up. And I was the only girl in the whole junior club, I think. Um, and as I went through through to under 12s, I was only the only girl, you know, in the association. So that was wow. here in, in Manly Oringa um, um, before I had to progress into girls only soccer. But um, yeah, so playing, playing since I was six years old. Um, as you said, progressed through to to playing in the the state league here, and and I got to um, play for Australia at the World University Games, and and that kind of opened up my eyes to college soccer in the US. Yeah. So, um, and then shortly after that, I went across and played at college, um, and so I think early on. Um, there was a couple of coaches who planted the seed about coaching um, in me. And I think the first recollection I have of that was when I was 16, 17 in, in one of the state teams and, and my state team coach kind of just, I don't know if it was a throwaway line or how intentional he was about that, but just said, you'd be a good coach one day. And, mm -hmm. and then I think after my college experience, I think that coach had a real big impact on me and um, that was further you know implanted in me the idea of um becoming a coach <clears throat> so i i started um doing my coach education uh while i was still playing and um it was through injury that i, I couldn't continue playing at the the level or playing the way i wanted to be able to play so i quickly transitioned transitioned straight across into coaching um so i don't know it was just something there's obviously a passion and a, a love of the game that I wasn't ready to walk away from the game. And, yeah. and I was probably always better playing up here than I was, you know, um, athletically. So 
it, it was it, it seemed a natural fit for me to to go into coaching. Vicky, did that happen? Did the the initial part of your coach education happen in the US, or once you were back here in Australia? No, no, it's here. Um, so you know, in New South Wales, I, I did the old level two. Um, yep. I think it was that 1997. Um, so I did a level two and started off coaching in like the pathway programs through Soccer New South Wales. So it was back then it was the junior elite training program, the Jets program. Yep. Um, and I think it was a, a zoned program. It was north, south, east and west. And it was for nine to 12 year olds. And it was the underpinning programs uh, leading into their state team programs. So I, I started doing that and um and then, so when I had finished playing and whether it would have happened while I was still playing, not sure, but I did end up to finish playing. Then I started working in um, the state team programs with, yeah. with Soccer New South Wales, which was what it was called back then. How important do you think to, to your coaching now, how important was it to get those, those early opportunities to coach at, uh, at that level with, with good quality players? Yeah, I, well, I, I think it... Um, I think it was fantastic. I think, I suppose they saw, I was doing some development work for Soccer New South Wales under Anissa Tandabi and and she was someone who, you know, ex-Australian captain or um, national team player and and she coached us at Marconi um, in the WSL back then and so she was running up that development program and so um, I think because I was in and around Soccer New South Wales, I got this opportunity and I think they saw it was good for someone a current player or, you know, yeah. someone who was playing to be involved in those um, those sort of programs. And so it was good for the, the players but also good for me, um, yeah, to work with some good players. And, and I did get the opportunity to do that, certainly in those junior state teams that I ended up working with. Um, and, I, you know, I think that's a direct relation to where I've come. Um, being able to work in good environments under good people with good structures has I think has really helped me. Yeah. And how did the um how did the opportunity at the um Tasmanian Institute of Sport come about? Yeah, I I wanted to be a full time coach and I wanted to coach in the NTC system. Um and there's only eight of those jobs in the country Mm. and uh, I couldn't get the job here in New South Wales um, or all the other jobs were sewn up pretty much. And, and that was a new program. That was a brand new program opening up down there in Tassie. And um, so it was something, as I said, I wanted to be a full-time coach. And um, so I applied for it and got the opportunity to go down there and and start up a brand new program. And, um, that's something that I, I now see in my career as I've gone on. It's something I really enjoy um, in being able to come in and, and create something new or even if it's been existing, re, you know, renew it um, yeah. and, and build something. And, um, I mean, I look back and I was pretty young and inexperienced, um, <laughs> but, you know, I had some good people around me to help me and um, it was a great opportunity for me and, and I really loved it. And that springboarded me on, um, you know, to the next steps after that. Is it, is it um, a place that when you're working at that level in, in that area, a place to experiment with your coaching, to make mistakes, to review them, refresh them, learn, grow and, and, and move on? Do you, do you, how important do you think that opportunity is was? Yeah. Uh, you probably don't think that at the time, right? But <laughs> you can look back and, and see that that's what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I think with the Tassie program, one where it is and 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 that it was new so there were certainly some challenges but to be honest so there was the mail program going on um at the same time and um i I was working with a very experienced male coach on the other side and so that was brilliant um and and so that helped me and i learned a lot through that um but but i did have freedom and i did have freedom to to try things um and I can look back and think how how that was useful for me um, mm. without without pressure. Um, so so I didn't have the pressure on me. Um, so yeah, it was a really good experience and and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like that. And that led on then to uh, an opportunity with the Australian under seventeen team. Yeah, um, and it's interesting to like when I look back and obviously get asked questions about this. Um, over time but 
I'm very grateful that I've been able to work through every kind of level of the system in Australia. Mm. So starting off with those junior elite programs to state teams. So I was assistant coach and then a head coach of state teams. And then um, I was assistant coach of the New South Wales Academy before I went down to be a head coach down in Tassie. Um, And then I was an assistant coach with the under 17 team, uh, national team before I was a head coach of the junior national team. Um, And I had the opportunity, Tom Samani was the head coach uh, of the Matildas at the time. His assistant coach was Robbie Hooker and and Robbie Hooks ended up being the head coach of the under 17s. And I was invited to be the assistant coach working with him. And um, it was just a really great time for me as a young coach to be working with people like that um and i think that set me up really well and i i look back on that and um even just this last season just thinking back how well grounded i was in some i suppose really good values or really good um ways of operating as a coach by guys like that um and then when i did become the under 17 coach head coach you know it was great we were away in china and Tom as the head coach of the the senior national team was there with me and, you know, I could walk down the corridor and knock on his door and and ask him questions. And so, yeah, it it was a really good experience and and going step by step. um, And I think that was really valuable um, in my development um, that I went all the way through. Um, Yeah, And, and, and that's continued all the way through. So an assistant coach with the old New South Wales Sapphires back in the National League um, before I became a head coach down at Melbourne Victory um, and then assistant coach with the senior national team, you know. So all the way through, I've just progressed step by step up up through the system. That's a great credit to you because it's um, in in coaching – being an assistant coach uh, can be all care and no responsibility. It can be a really nice, uh, comfortable place for coaches to work. Um, but that's not been a place where you've been happy and settled for. That's been a place of learning so you can grow into the, the head coaching role on, on your journey. I think that's fair? Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. The, the roles are very, very different. So, mm. yeah, um, it, because at the same time, you can be a little bit frustrated or a little bit, you know, um, anxious to try and do things in your own. And I think at times too, um, when I haven't been in full-time jobs, you're doing two and three things. Um, And so while I might have been doing an assistant coach, you know, say with the junior national team, I was head coach of another program. And I think that's useful as well when when you are an assistant coach to be having avenues where you are – leading and when you have the responsibility and when you can do things and make decisions um, for yourself. Yeah. Let's go sideways a little bit. Congratulations on Cambridge United making the W League finals, first time for, I think, four seasons, three or four seasons. Uh, And I know you would have been disappointed to to go out the semi-final, but um, a great season, some some wonderful highlights to to see Michelle Heyman back scoring goals for fun must have brought a uh, a great deal of satisfaction I think you gave seven players their W League debuts you get to build a new culture all over again so to, to tell us a little bit about that about about the, how much you've enjoyed that but I, I'm guessing that all started with you building the culture that you wanted to build or starting to build the culture that you wanted to build at Canberra United Yeah um, so I, I haven't had a team to coach myself since 2014. So that's that's quite a long Been time. Coaching so coaches. I was an assistant with the senior national team through 2015, 2016, mm. um, through the World Cup and, and the Rio Olympics. Um, and then following that, I went overseas to, to work with US soccer. So mm. while I was doing a little bit of coaching, I hadn't coached a team since, since 2014. So um, it's really interesting coming into that because while I hadn't coached or had had been a head coach of a team for six years, I felt like I was a much better coach yeah. um, through the experiences that I had. So I was kind of itching and ready to go to implement some new ideas or um, new ways of doing things or, or, or trying new things while building on things that I know um, work and, and that you can be successful with. So... I was pretty excited about that. Um, I think while you're going through the season, you know, uh, <laughs> it's hard work. 
Oh, yeah. Um, and you don't get to sit back and enjoy it. But I think um, come the end of the season and, you, you know, there's a lot of ref- – there's reflection through the season, but when you get to the end of the season and um, you get time to, to look back on all the things that have panned out the way you wanted, um, the, the things that you have achieved, um, and, and I suppose even just feedback, you, you go through a lot of meetings with, with players and staff and, and just seeing the impact the season's had on them. And yeah. I think that's where you get the satisfaction and, and those sort of things are very rewarding. Yeah. Um, a little a little Dickie Bird told me, I can't reveal my sources here, but that you um, this year you've, you've worked hard to involve um, the players in the match analysis, game analysis. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I suppose I hadn't seen it that way. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, look, uh, I think one of the things that I've learned over the last few years with US soccer and, and, and being in the role I was, which was well, the way I see I'm I'm a coach, right? So yeah. the way I saw it, I was coaching academy directors. I was coaching other coaches. Um, and I got to be exposed to a lot of different environments because um, US soccer has a lot of diversity yeah. in, in how they do things. And and that was great. But the element of what I was doing was the same. Um, but it was going in and having to help them. So sit back and watch and reflect and um, kind of guide them on how to improve their what they were doing, their processes, their thinking, whatever it was. And I think by doing that, I also had was exposed to a really talented bunch of colleagues. Um, so not just the academy directors, but also my my fellow colleagues and, and the other people I met through US soccer. And um, it was a time when you're not hands-on coaching to be able to do a little bit more professional development. Yeah. I kind of saw it as like maybe a sabbatical where you can um, yeah, just do something a little bit different, be challenged in a different way. And, and I think through that, um, there was a lot of learning for me. Yeah, I know this is a long answer, but um, so one of the biggest things I took out of that was about learning and and how do people learn. Yeah, and so I suppose what we did with players is have them involved, is because it to me it's more important what they're doing, what they're learning, what they're taking out of things, rather than what I'm telling them. Um, obviously, I want to guide that and facilitate that, but um, I think my coaching philosophy, whether it's in the video room or on the field, is really about is about that. How mm. are they learning? How am I leading them to know more and understand more rather than how much, you know, it all coming from me or other coaches all yeah. the time? Can, can I drill down into that a little bit more, particularly with your experience in coaching the coaches in the US um, on on this podcast and in the <laughs> I'm going to say hundreds it's probably millions of conversations I've had in the past couple of years a part of the criticism in Australia of the way coach education has gone is that it's become more academic um, coach education used to be led by firstly good coaches that obviously had coach education qualifications people like you that have coached players coach teams helped those grow and then have gone to share that wisdom in coaches um i don't know whether you do you think that's a a fair uh, observation or not and i wonder what the american take of that goes whether that's something that's happening in america or because you're obviously involved there in coach education whether someone and the people like you are out there delivering from a point of what works best with the players, not necessarily the theory of what works works best with the players. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and just to clarify, so I wasn't technic I wasn't technically in coach education, um, which was a good thing from my point of view. Um, <laughs> uh, so, we're, we're kind of technical advisors was the initial role. Um, so they purposely uh, identified. And, and targeted uh, coaches to bring into those roles because because it was a technical focus. Yeah. Um, and our role in club development, as I said, that's how I took it as coaching yeah. the coaches or mentoring. It was really mentoring. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's and so it was informal. So I wasn't out delivering courses, which is great because yeah. to be honest, 
it's not really a passion of mine. Yeah. But the idea of helping coaches learn and grow, I like yeah. because that's more to me like what we do with players. Yeah. Um, and we can talk more about the game. Um, so, but but going to your question, I think that. So I've worked in the US. I've also worked for the FA way yeah. back. That was my first full-time job in football back in 2003. Um, and, and just spending time in, in Asia and the AFC and, and doing things with FIFA and those sort of things. Like I, I'm, I've been exposed to a lot of different things. And I think that's been one of the best things um, for my career. Yeah. And especially, and, and, and we're jumping around a little bit, but going back to what you asked and going step-by-step, interspersed with all those things within Australia were things overseas. Yeah. And I think as a young female coach at the time, those things were useful in my progression. Yeah. And to so maybe externally, but also internally to give me confidence to go through. Um, so kind of with that mindset, what I'd say is I think what I'm seeing, there was a lot of similarities in the US that there were in Australia. And the number of people there that mainly uh, were foreigners as well. Yeah. Um, and so talking to them about what's happening back in their countries and they were majority European, yeah. um, there seems to be a flavour or a trend or themes that must go around in coach education around the world. So people start to do something some one way and then they must get together at some international forum, right? And then it just spreads. So I would yeah. say that U.S. soccer kind of went through a bit of a bit of a phase of what we did 10, 10 15 years ago. Um, and, and to me, they were going through that uh, yeah. and the way they changed things and the way they did things and um, maybe 10 years ago. Um, that they, they didn't go to the extent of getting a national curriculum because that would never work in the U.S. As yeah. I said, diversity is really valued over there. Yeah. But in regards to coach education, and I know the key coach educators and the guys who had implemented the changes there were in contact with people from FFA. Yeah. Um, and and I know there's, very simil- there's a lot of similarities to it. Um, so to answer your question is I think that they went the same way we did. Yeah. Um, and I think U.S. soccer has its own complexities. U.S. Soccer Federation is not the only one who, the only organization who runs coach education mm. in the country. Um, and, and there's differing bodies who do that. Yeah. I and, think the Coaches Association is heavily involved in coach education. Yeah. 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 Um, so... Yeah, it's just very varied. It's yeah. a lot, there's more variety and diversity there. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. You're listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media, the podcast professionals. Today's guest is Canberra United uh, W League head coach Vicky Linton, and we're honoured to have her on the show today. Um, you mentioned we've jumped around a little bit, Vicky. That seems to be the, na- the nature of the beast on this podcast. So let's let's jump around once more. Was there, on your playing and early coaching journey, was there someone that stood out as a coach where you went, wow, this has sort of opened my eyes in terms of what coaching could be? Do you have someone that had that sort of impact on you? Yeah, I, I don't really recall that. Um, I think... As a as a player, um, there were just certain coaches who, it, like it wasn't that evident at yeah. the time. But there were certain coaches that obviously felt had an impact on me as a player, yeah. um, and, and therefore I respected. Um, we had a coach, Vic uh, Mikowski at Sydney Olympic, way back, um, and 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 he was a great coach. Mm. Um, great football knowledge and he seemed to manage our our, our very uh our team full of very strong personality uh <laughs> players really really well yeah um and, and I, I loved his approach um not just in his training methods but how he how he managed and but i was 18 and and probably couldn't take that in at the time yeah um as i said my my college the college environment had a a big impact on me and mm. and the I've lived and worked um, 
in the US four different times over my career, over the last 25 years. And I think it had a big impact on me. And, yeah. and I think a lot of that had to do with my coach there and, and my assistant coach, who the assistant coach was a, a high profile ex-player um, and, and she was fantastic. And But um, so one of the things, and even just talking to, alluding to what we're talking about just before is, you know, there was one, one time we're sitting on a, a bus um, on, on an away trip and, um, he sat down and was having a chat to me and he was trying to describe something that he'd started seeing in me as a player. And I was like, well, why didn't you just tell me? <laughs> um, and, and he just kind of wryly smiled at me and kind of didn't really respond. And, and I found that infuriating as a player, but you know, in hindsight, I now understand kind of what he was doing. It wasn't about him just telling me he, the environment allowed me to learn it and yeah. get there on my own. Um, and, and as a coach now, I think I really appreciate um, how to do, like how that can be done and, yeah. and how do I intentionally and personally create an environment? And you've got a whole squad of players, so it's of really hard, um, but that's the challenge yeah. um, to, to create a learning environment so they get to where, as a team, we get to where we need to be. And then within that, the deeper layers, individuals getting the things that they need to continue to learn and develop. Um, and and so I think those, you know, so so it's those um, as a player and, and then as a coach, as I said, I've talked about Tom Somani. It's had a big influence on on me as a player and he was around when I was going through those steps of going into the TIS and then going to Melbourne Victory and coming into the youth national teams and I was in and around that environment Um, and then I think it's just been I think it's been I've always been one to knock on doors and ask questions and ask if I can come along and look at things and um, so there's been different coaches in different countries along the way that have, have, have influenced me and as I said, my American experience has, and I think Anton Dorrance yeah. um, and his training methods ha- have impacted me or the, the American competitiveness. Um, and, and that was a stark difference, you know, from what we had here in Australia. And it was something that culturally is different. But yeah. as a coach, I wanted to to help create that environment. And one of the things he used to talk about and would still talk about now is creating an environment that allows females, women, girls to compete. Yeah. Because that wasn't necessarily the case. Like for boys, it's natural. Mm-hmm. But sometimes females need permission. And I think it might have changed a little bit now, but I'm talking back in the 90s, yeah. you know, and yeah. um, that just so just creating that. And, and he created an environment that allowed his players and his teams to compete and um, that's something that I, I wanted to bring back here um, yeah. and, and the mentality and the different things that I've learned um, in, in the US about mentality and, and the mentality in training and, and the mentality um, to development and your own your own career and, um, and to games. Yeah. Good on you. So what then is coaching? Uh, I, I think it means different things in different contexts, but um, I think in essence it is helping someone to grow or learn or develop. So I think simply that's what it is. Um, and I think in a team coaching context, there's a lot of elements to that. Yeah. So... I think as a head coach, you create a framework to get everyone on the same page and moving in the same direction and then facilitate the learning, as I said, with the team goals in mind and then the individual uh, development goals in mind as well. Definitely about helping people develop new or improve on behaviours. Yeah. Yeah. um, You know, and that's, Sim- the simplicity of it and so you see coaching in lots of areas right um Absolutely. so the, the, there's coaching as a head coach there's coaching with your assistant coaches um and, and staff and um and and obviously with the players so 
for me in my coaching philosophy, it's very much about working with people, yeah. um, working with the players um, and, and getting them to take another step forward, trying to achieve their goals, trying to reach their potential. Um, yeah, learn, grow and develop. Yeah. I heard um, I was driving in to, to do this a few weeks ago and listening to a podcast about business and, and they were talking about aspiration versus capability and I couldn't help because I was coming in here to talk to, to coaches about coaching and I went, that, that is a really, really interesting concept because – you know, we're encouraged to have a coaching philosophy and, you know, we, we whatever it is, we want to play with a, you know, a high-intensity attacking possession-based brand of football or whatever. And we arrive at this particular place in time with this particular group of players um, and that might be the goal, but it might not be attainable right now. So, you know, the capability of, of this group right now might mean we can do these things. Do you, do you, think, that's a, do you think that's a fair statement? I think that's a very fair statement. Yeah. And I think that I think it's something that's coming through the the system here and, and being a MTC coach, being a national team coach and really working towards a certain playing style. Yeah. Um uh I think it's been good for me to go out of that and be exposed to different things to then really clarify for me and refine for me what I'm about or how I see things. Um, And I think that there's certain, there's certain values that you have as a person. I think there's certain values you have as a, uh, in regards to football and certain ways you want to play. Um, But I do think you need to be pragmatic Mm. and, and you can stick to your values while doing things a little bit differently. Yeah. And and I think um, as I've gone on as a coach, I think I've learned that that it doesn't you can stay true to what you're about and maybe do it in different ways yeah no i like that i I like that a lot and and you know the reality particularly of high performance coaching is that um you know we, we want to do this and i've never met a coach yet that doesn't want to win and play pretty um but there are days where winning is king key queen whatever it is it's the most important thing that we can do um if we if we want to um keep our jobs yeah and i think but we also want to be like we want to be successful and Mm. and we want to as in not necessarily win but we want to find this well this is how i see it yeah we want to solve the problem of okay you've got these 11 players or these 20 players how do they fit together yeah and we want to. Uh, that's how I see head coaching. It's yeah. like I need to solve that. Yeah. And, and how does that work? And what's that going to look like? And that might be formation, and it might be different combinations of players on the field, or it might be certain tactical things that work for this group of players. And yeah. I and I think that's to me that's the enjoyment. Yeah. And and if I just look, reflect on this last season. Um, and that's why it does need to be longer because I feel like we didn't yeah. have quite enough time once we got to where we needed to be to then really exploit that. Yeah. But it took some time. Yeah. And with a brand new group of players, I'm new, staff, everything's new. Mm. And it took us a little bit of time to find out how it all fits and how it's going to work for this group of people. Yeah. Um, to me, that that's the, the enjoyment. That, yeah. That's the fun of it. No, that's where the magic happens, isn't it? Yeah, and it is. It is magic <laughs> when when it when it works out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you've mentioned before about people that have influenced. H- have you had a coaching mentor on your journey? Someone that you can pick up the phone through and bounce ideas off. Yeah, I mean, not not formally. Yeah. Um, I've never never had that formally, but you know, and I've already thrown out a, a few names of people who who I who I do see as a mentor and just are, they just are. It's nothing we signed up to, but they just (laughs) are. Um, And I think it's been for me kind of situational and and where I am Um, and and the people you can connect with in those environments. Um, I really did value being involved in the Institute of Sport um, kind of system and being exposed to coaches from other sports. I, in in Tassie, we had an office, and he wasn't there a lot. But we had an Olympic rowing coach, yep. you know, gold medal Olympic rowing coach who sat in our office. 
Um, and, you know, he volunteered to come out and watch me coach one day and gave me some feedback. Yeah. Uh, and that was just magic. And we had his athletes, gold medal, you know, rowers yeah. um, who were also studying medical degrees come and talk to our 16-year-old, you know, football girls. And um, Or I went out and ran things for the hockey guys. And, you know, I, I've just found those environments really stimulating as a coach and mm. challenging and um, so the multi-sport stuff. But... Um, but just whatever environment I, I'm in, just being able to connect with people. And um, I, I think that's been just really valuable. And it's just, yeah, as I said, you just send emails or ring people up or send them messages and just see what happens. Yeah, no, I could, couldn't agree more. I, some, of the, some of the learnings, some of the willingness and share of other coaches from other sports preparing to, to share and learn from one another. I, I think coaching as a sport is, uh, is one of, of innovation. I think we coaches are some of the best innovators, you know, going around and, and their um, respect for one another, and, and what because everyone knows that it's not a uh, it's not a simple task. So that's good. Why do you do it? What motivates you to coach? Yeah, it's an interesting one because it, it it's been a hard journey. I you know had to, to be honest, it's been a hard journey, and it's um, yeah hasn't been. Even though it sounds systematic, it, it hasn't been, and and it can be difficult, but. I keep coming back to it. So I, I kind of just see it as a, it's a vocation. Yeah. It, it's what I do. Um, I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, sometimes when I've been in between jobs, I've kind of saying, Oh, what else could I do? And I think at this point, there's not much else I can do. I'm, I'm quite, you know, so highly specialized in my education and training and, um, but yeah, there's nothing else I'd want to be doing. Um, yeah. I really, really have a passion for it. I love it. Um, there's different, as I've found, there are different ways of doing it. Um, yep. uh, not necessarily having to be a head coach of a, a team. Um, there are other ways to be involved and still coach. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the, the breadth of opportunity is there. Yeah. Is, uh, I, I saw that, uh, um, in doing the research that you um, were also um, involved heavily in the um, Canberra United Academy. Is that, firstly, was the Canberra United job, W League job, Academy job, combined into a full-time role for you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm going to assume that because a significant part of your journey has been in the development that they're setting up the academy and making sure that's run properly, there's been a, there's been a lot of joy in that for you as well. Yeah, and I mean, I, I worked in it for a little bit before the W League season started, and obviously through the W League season, that's, um, that's my top priority. And so, but as that's ended, now going back into. Um, into the academy, I'm really looking forward to that. I, I do really enjoy development, yeah. um, and I think the experience I've had in those those environments actually lends well to to my senior coaching. Um, but it even even shifting my mindset coming off the W League, it's 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 actually quite useful because I work with those players, and some of them aren't very old. Yeah, I know, some of them yeah. are academy age, if you like, but it's like, what do we need at that level? Mm. And, and so therefore, what are the fundamentals I need to be bringing down into the academy? Mm. Um, and and I think that's, you know, it's a great opportunity for me to go and do that. Um, yeah. And I remember thinking that when we were working with the Matildas, um, these were senior national team players and it actually, and leading into the 2015 World Cup, we were essentially full-time. Yeah. And we're working with these players. I think in the six, the five, six months leading into that World Cup, we were not together only for four weeks, wow. you know, in that period of time. So so we spent a lot of time together and often two trainings a day. And um, someone who has worked in, in the youth side, it, it made me really think about the deficits that those players had that even though we're working with them this amount of time, we're not able to change it. Yeah, 
So what does need to happen and, and when does it need to happen at what age and, and how do we bring players through who, when they do get to be a senior player, yeah. have the tools that they need to, to be successful. Um, and so that's similar now as I shift down from W League into the academy. I think it gives you the same insight. Yeah. And the, the fact that, you know, you your love of the game was born out of playing outside with with friends um, in the main who were boys, but for for, for people of, of your generation and my generation and older, you know, so much of the incidental learning uh, touch on the ball happened playing in the street and before school, during school, after school, because there was so much of it. You had lots of opportunity um, to develop a whole range of things, um, skills, techniques, um, unconsciously, uh, I guess, and compare that with today's kids that spend more time on a couch with an electronic device in their hand. It's a, it's a huge deficit there, isn't there? Yeah, and I think we have to be mindful of that because mm. having been out of the country for a few years and then coming back in and um, kind of just seeing it with fresh eyes, it's it's interesting to see. And I think as coaches, we do have to cater for that. Yeah. And and regardless of where we think they should be, like I think skill ac- skill acquisition still needs to be a key component, mm. um, even in, in the older teenage age group and because they're, they're getting less time, as you said, in the incidental moments. Um, and it's just something as a footballing, you know, us as a country, we, we need to keep keep working on. Yeah. I think one of the good things in um, listening to uh, Trevor Francis and Ron Smith uh, recently is that the, the C licence, I think, is going to become more about skill acquisition Again, it probably was at one stage, whatever whatever we called that, level one, level two, or preliminary license, whatever it was, over the journey. But I think that's going to be a good thing that, that you know, we've got coaches that can help players um, in those areas. Um, you've had a, uh, you've had a, um, a long career. You, you, the, the challenge, as I know, I've got a professional athlete, a uh, female athlete in the family that's hopefully going to um, play basketball at the Olympics and having a full-time job in sport is a challenge um, for, you know, call it full-time. Um, quite, quite often it involves doing two or three different things together. Um, you know, the male athlete at Melbourne Victory comes into training in the morning, may have breakfast, might have a massage before training, post-training, we'll have the gym there, we'll see a doctor there, the physiotherapist there, uh, and we'll go home at the end of the day. That's not necessarily the case for um, female athletes. Um, and, uh, you know, th- through all that, I think there's 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 opportunities to be disappointed and, and things don't quite work out. That's an awful poor way of introducing the question. What I was going to ask you is how important do you think it is for coaches to be resilient and develop resilience on their journey? Uh, yeah, it, it's obviously really important. Um, and I, I, I think, the, you know, whether you're a player or a coach or anyone working in the industry, I think that's that's something that everyone has. Um, And as you talked about being innovative too, like uh, especially working on the women's side of the game, uh, um, whether it's medical staff or, you know, people working on the operations and logistics uh, as well as the the coaching staff, it's um, we're always having to try and problem solve and and try and deliver programs the way we would like to be delivered. Yeah. with maybe not necessarily the resources or the you know the the easy opportunity that may be afforded in full-time professional environments um and and so i think we all have that and i think uh you know having having been a a player i think you you developed that as well and i i don't think you'd walk into coaching with without having some of that to start with um it's certainly not an easy journey but yeah, you know, I think that passion just drives you and yeah. um, keeps you in there. How about mental health, um, Vicky? We've obviously the world's a very, very different place today. We hear mental health in workplaces talked about all the time, um, particularly um, in more recent times for professional athletes. Don't hear too much about mental health and and coaches about who cares for coaches. You know, who cares for the carers. Um, 
have you seen much happen in that space and, and, and what are your thoughts on mental health in the, in the coaching area? Yeah, um, I'm probably not aware too much about it. I, I, I think that the focus is always or is most often um, on, on the players um, and, and staff, you know, so not just coaches but, but other staff. I mean, we, we, we just work so hard to, mm. to make sure the players are okay. And um, so I suppose it's probably, it, it's, it needs to be on the individual and, mm. and to make sure that we have good networks and, and systems in place for ourselves. But it would be probably good if there was more awareness of it. Um, I, you hear it talked about a little bit, but um, in the practicalities of things, I think it, it gets a little bit lost. Yeah. Um and so whether it's through associations like Football Coaches Association or through our employers, through the federations and clubs and whatever, yep. um, you know, I think it's definitely improved. I think there's a higher aware- high awareness of it now than there used to be, but mm. it's an ongoing battle. Coaching's a, a difficult role. It's uh, very demanding time-wise. Um, you know, in season, uh, there aren't really days off and, and mm. they're long hours and, I think that's been something over my career. It's the, the ongoing battle of trying to find a balance. We talk mm. about balance and, and I I don't think <laughs> I don't think in season there is a balance. Um, but I think you need <laughs> to balance that out of season yeah. um, and find ways of doing that and uh, just learning to be more finding time for yourself. Yeah. Even though it's uh, very limited, but I think I've improved as a coach um in in knowing what you need what i need um and and how i operate um uh to sustain you um because it's it's a it's a pretty draining job mentally emotionally physically uh it does take a lot out of you so um yeah more probably can be done Uh, i think there's a a responsibility on the individual as well um uh to to ask or to uh uh, ask for what they need and, and be firm on that. And yeah. um, I suppose something I've learned too is if an environment can't provide me that, then maybe it's not the environment I should be in. Uh, I think that's a good point. What have been some of your most enjoyable moments as a coach? Um, <laughs> I think it's, and I can think even just back to, you know, this past season, but but I know it's true of um, other teams I've worked with in other seasons. It, it's often quiet moments or um, moments where you're just sitting down with, with players and staff and, and, and those moments that you share. So it, it's the people, um, you know, whether it's sitting on a bus or sitting around a dinner table or, you know, at mealtime or, or just sharing a laugh, um, it's it's those it's the connections um are the most enjoyable moments and and seeing being part of someone's journey um you know whether it's i I have worked with a lot of youth national teams and um seeing all those players come through and where they're where they are now and being able to connect with them you know 10 years later and 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 seeing the person they become not just the footballer but the person they become and and it's a real joy to have been part of their journey um, I think they're the most enjoyable moments. There's obviously been successes along the way and, and different key moments on the field. But I, I just think it's it, it's a real privilege, I yeah. think, to be part of um, getting to know people uh, and, and whether that's players or – and I think two of my U.S. soccer experience and, and the role I had there and the privilege it was to go into other people's environments and them sharing everything about what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing when I've done development work with AFC and FIFA. It's like going to these different countries and people just open up and share with you. And like it, it, that that's a joy. That's a real privilege. Um, and then you maintain those connections. You know, you can be somewhere somewhere else and, and you reconnect and um, you still have that relationship. And I, I think that's that's the biggest enjoyment. I have to admit doing this podcast as that's been the case for me. I, uh, people's coaches like yourself, willingness to, to sit and talk and be honest and, and transparent and open about their journey and what's worked and what hasn't has been uh, incre- incredibly rewarding. Um, my, as a former striker, I have to congratulate you on uh, on the part you played in, in Michelle Heyman coming back to the fore and and. Scoring, I think, ten goals across the the, the season was uh, that was absolutely fantastic to see. 
she looked like she was in um, great shape and certainly looked like she enjoyed sticking the ball in the back of the net again. Yeah, she hasn't. She didn't lose that knack, did she? So, no. so that was quite handy for us. Um, <laughs> but it was really enjoyable seeing her enjoy her football. Yeah. Um, she seemed to be in a really good place um, and having some time away from the game um, really gave her a hunger to mm. come back um, and appreciate the simple joys of being with a team, training. Um, her, in, in all up, her body was pretty good, you know, and, and yep. so she she felt good physically, um, and and she was learning. She was she was learning new things, and so she was engaged. Um, she was a great player, um, experienced player for for the young ones to be around, and yep. just helping them to understand and learn as well. And um, so she, it was just. I don't know. I, I'm lucky. Um, just good timing um, that she she was ready to come back and she wanted to give it a go again. And she had a big impact um, on our season. And I think there was a point there where she was close to the the the, the record that maybe put a little bit more pressure yeah. on. But um, once she got through that, just really overjoyed for her. Um, really great to see her achieve that again. And um, as I said, yeah, it was it was great for us as a as a team to have her being able to lead from the front. Yeah, uh, fantastic. You're listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and making media the podcast professionals. We're talking with Vicky Linton today and we're on the downhill run, Vicky. Um, we've spoken about some of those enjoyable moments uh, and you said that's in and around the people. What, what are some of the valuable lessons that you've learned along the way? That's that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, uh, the, there's very fine lines between what other people measure as success and not success, um, and that. So w we made the top four this season um, by by goal difference, by one goal, mm. and yet if a couple of uh, results had gone our way a couple of draws were wins which probably could have should have been yeah. we could have been premiers yeah. so we could have been first or fifth just on these small margins and yet what we did and the success we had was still there yeah. regardless of whether we came fifth fourth or first um so it's kind of understanding that and i suppose having internal measures of success yeah. um and along with that is um not getting too high and not getting too low um along that journey because it is a roller coaster mm. and um I, I think they're important um i think i think I, well, i've learned a lot along the journey um and i i think part of it is uh yeah just knowing who you are and knowing your values and and uh, just being true to yourself. Um, I think you learn not to listen too much to the external. Yeah. Um, there's trusted, there's people I trust who I really value their opinion. And, and I think you need to, I've even learned to hear opinion, um, but it, 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 it might not affect me like it used to. I'm able to filter, filter it out a little bit but I'm still in a position now where I'm, I will seek others' opinion mm. um, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Um, yeah, so I don't know, there is a few things, there's a lot of mm. things I've learned, uh, I think, along the journey, um, but there are a few of them. I like that a lot. What does success look like? Yeah, I suppose that ties into what we were saying, <laughs> right? Um, so for me, for me as a coach, um, is creating a positive learning environment. So part of it's just creating the environment um, and, and then having people learn, grow and develop. Because if we're doing that, then the, some of those external successes come. Yeah. Um, but I can't necessarily control that external stuff. I can control the process. Uh, I think I'm a fairly process-orientated coach. Um, but yeah, so that's what success looks like for me is creating that positive learning environment and 
part of that is working with people that I enjoy working with. Um, that's been maybe one of the learnings over over the years is is trying to trying to find that, yeah. and that's more valuable to me now than maybe what position I'm in or or, or what st- st- you know um, what badge I'm wearing. Yeah. Um, it's more the environment that we get to work in and um, that allows us all to enjoy it, learn, grow, um, and, and get the best out of ourselves and each other. Yeah, I like that. The, the I think I'm right here that uh, it was the first this year you put together a uh, an all-female technical team. Yeah. At Canberra United. That's a rarity in, in football these days. Well, not these days. It's just a rarity in football. How many times have you seen that? happened before well, it's the first time in the w league in oh, 13 seasons wow. um so it doesn't happen a lot uh there but but i've seen it with um probably the first time i saw it was with the german women's national team yeah and they were very deliberate um in their in their development of female coaches um and, and that filtered up into the, the national team system yep. so it was probably the first team i've, I've seen it um it wasn't something that necessarily I went out to do, mm. but at the same time, I wanted to work with people I wanted to work with yeah. and, and, and have the best people for the team. And, and often that is people working in women's soccer, women's football, yeah. and, um, and people who have a passion and a drive to work in that environment. And I suppose in the back of my mind, if there was an opportunity to provide it for a opportunity for a female coach that would be great um but it wasn't something i i intentionally at start went out to do and it just happened to be they were the best people uh for the job and you know so i think it's something i'm kind of proud of it yeah um seeing it's the first time in 13 13 years um but but i do value um i mean i've often been the only female in a male staff um and you know, I do also believe in um, having having a range of people. A diversity yeah. of people is, is useful as well. So, um, will that happen again next year? We're not sure. Yeah. Uh, it just depends who's available and who's who who um, the best people we can get um, for that season. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it, it's been good. It doesn't happen a lot. It would be interesting to see it happen more and more because we don't have this discussion on the men's side. Oh, it's remarkable. They've got an all-male all male technical staff. You know, we don't have that discussion. That's a given. That's a, that's That just is. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be interesting in time if we do start to see more and more of it. Yeah. No, all, all power to you. I, I can remember when the uh, uh, A-League kicked off in 2004, 2005, we, we had a, um, a female sports scientist and a female physio and uh, to have two females on the bench, it was like, you know, the other A-League teams, well, they weren't necessarily complimentary. Uh, and, and then, you know, in, invariably, however many years later it was, invariably everyone uh, had a, a, you know, a, a, a couple of females on the bench, just just, just amazing. Um, and we definitely need to find ways to encourage more um, women into coaching. Um, you know, the the I was at Football Victoria for a year, um, a couple of years ago now, and at the annual coaching conference, there were I don't know eight hundred coaches in the room, and, and of the eight hundred, there were there were I counted seven women coaches in the room, and and it's just you know Football Coaches Australia is doing a whole bunch of things to to, to try and create opportunities. So um, definitely got to be more done uh, in that space by everyone involved in football. Um, not a place for me to preach, but I've done it. There you go. Let's ra- let's wrap this up. If you had, if you could offer um, new coaches, coaches at the beginning of the career, in the middle of the career, the end of the career, if you could offer coaches one piece of wisdom, what would that be? One piece. One piece. Wow. Um, be true to yourself. Um, so I suppose that involves knowing what you're about. Um, knowing who you are, um, be confident and strong in, in your convictions um, and and operate out of who you are, be true to yourself. And I think that if you do that, then you can't really go wrong. Um, 
and and regardless of the external factors and what you might hear and um, or the criticism you get or or even through failure, right? Um, that you know that you've done all that you can, and, and I think that's all that you can. Um, and you can ask of yourself, or anyone can ask of you, and um, I think that will set yourself set set someone up well in this journey. I think that's a wonderful place to lead today's conversation. Thanks, Vicky Linton. Very much appreciated. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media, the podcast professionals. Um, Wonderful day. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, please go to footballcoaches.org.au. Sorry, footballcoachesoz.org.au. Buy a membership, renew a membership, listen to a podcast, watch watch a video of a podcast. All in all, you have a great day in football. 